There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Scoop. Corey Perry. Lillian able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. So I think, like, I hate Harry Styles, right? Like, there's just something about him that generally bothers me. I don't really have a good reason, but everything about him just feels so forced. That being said, he won an award this weekend. Yeah. And he was had it given to him by Stanley Tucci. And he got, like, super excited about it. And Harry I've Styles got related, excited about it? Or Stanley yeah, Tucci got excited like, about it? Yeah, Stanley Tucci fucking rocks. Yeah. And I was thinking, like... Who would be the most fun random celebrity to give you an award for something? And just be like, oh, this award being presented by such and such, and then like you win, and you're like, I actually don't care that I won the award. I care more that I got it from this person. Oh, man. I think the answer is Gary Batman. Gary what? Gary Batman? <laughs> yeah, he's the That's, that's on the opposite end of the scale. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, can I feel like a lot of people would say Keanu Reeves or somebody like that. Somebody who's universal, oh, yeah. like Nick Cage well, or something like to. that. You have to, as a Canadian, say Keanu. Oh, yeah, I have to, yeah. Or now, now I guess it's uh, everybody's favorite, uh, Pedro Pascal now, I guess, right? You can't have him. He's not American. He's not Canadian. No, he's but not you Canadian. do have Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, and Ryan Gosling. Every, we have the Ryans. You do. You have both of the good Ryans. Yeah. Do you guys have any Chris's? Are there any good Canadian Chris's? Um, I mean, not I even Chris so. Drury's Canadian, so. No. There are no good Chris Chris's. Kelly was Canadian. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good one, though. I know we ripped Chris Kelly apart uh, in the early days of this podcast, so back when he was yeah. uh, a member of the Ducks for a short while there. Well, that was the same year that they traded, uh, what do you call it? They traded uh, Wags to... To Boston. Uh, to Boston. No, not to Boston, to the Islanders. Oh, right. Yeah. For, what's his name? Who was that random fourth liner with speed? Oh, my I God, who was out. it? Anyways, it doesn't matter. He didn't pan out. 
Keanu Reeves is a good one. I think Keanu Reeves is a really, really good one. But that being said, Stanley Tucci was in the Pelican Brief, and we don't talk about that movie enough. That movie rocks. Yeah. No, versatile, for sure. Um, but yeah, we're back. Um, so we've, I know, all right, I was going to say this is probably early, but it is still more than a week later <laughs> since our last <laughs> show. Um, it feels, yeah, it feels early since the last show. The Ducks only played three games, and we're not really going to talk too much about the games. Um, they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one in that stretch. Um, bit better games, closer score, only outscored 11-8. to eight. Ducks have kind of creeped up the, uh, not really the standings, but... Uh, the rankings for power play percentage. They're now ranked 28th, penalty kill 28th as well. I'm sure that's like a, a few percentage points off from being last, but we'll take it uh, at this point. Uh, not ranked 31st anymore, ranked 30th, which if you're in the Bedard sweep six, it's not the best thing. Um, points percentage-wise, they are within touching distance of Chicago. I think they have two games... Or Chicago has two games in hand, and they're three points back, so if they were to somehow win both of those games, the Ducks would technically be second last. But Columbus is dead last, played the same amount of games, and has four less points. So right now, Columbus, of all teams, is uh, leading the Bedard sweepstakes. I don't think I would have... I, I didn't think they were going to be good this year. I thought they'd be better. Right? Everybody kind of predicted them as being a team that... Could do something this year because of the Goodrow signing, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's been abysmal for them. It hasn't been good. Yeah, I mean, look, is there anything more Columbusian than screwing up and still finding your way to something? Um, yeah. So that's exciting. But um, if they win the first overall pick, it's just going to be a bunch of Christopher Columbus jokes for me about how they didn't do anything that they were supposed to do and somehow still managed to wind up somewhere good. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind him going. Like, if you're picking between Chicago and Columbus, like it's an easy Bedard to Columbus over Chicago for sure. And, yes, uh, that might be a thing we have to do: is power rank the lottery teams once it's all said and done. Yeah, the only the, the sad thing is, just like San Jose and Vancouver are in touching. Does San Jose hate Vancouver and like the kids from there? So I think for him that way it'd be cool, but. Uh, yeah, the Chicago and San Jose are definitely near the bottom of that list. Philadelphia, too. And I guess, I don't even know how <clears throat> St. Louis is within within distance of getting there, too. They've been terrible. Yeah, they're 51 points and 52 wins. That's Or 52 games, that's not, you know, great. Um, the other thing, real quick, about the games we're not going to talk about. I forgot to mention this on the last one before All-Star break. But going into the All-Star break, the Ducks were on a three-game win streak. Yeah. That was the first time all season they won three consecutive games. Not surprised. Nope. Not but surprised. I thought about that, and I was like, oh, that's cool. So it was a nice little high to go in on and, you know, everything going on with all of that. So Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not going to cover the games too much with the trade deadline coming up and there being kind of a, a lull in news outside the games. Figured it would be a good time to review the two big trades that have already happened. We were hoping there would be three big trades to cover today with Jacob Chikrin being scratched yeah. last night um, as the Coyotes put out there for trade-related reasons. Um, but that one hasn't happened yet, and it could be another week or so before we hear anything about that. So we've got the two big trades, um, Horvat to the Islanders, Tarasenko to the Rangers that we're going to cover. And then just look ahead at the rest of the guys who are available, where they could go, where some of the, the Ducks' top targets could go. And we've got a few mock trades, so that's 
pretty much going to be the majority of the show. The only other Ducks news we had, which we we'll, might as well cover now, uh, and then have the rest of the show for the trades, is Jackson Lacombe. Uh, didn't officially sign, obviously can't yet, but made comment that um, that he was going to sign at the end of the year. So he's basically committed that he's going to sign with Anaheim at the end of the year, and that's kind of always been his intention, uh, his intention, which isn't, I guess, super surprising. It's nice to hear. Um, now Henry Thrawn is the only other one that we're, you know, waiting to you know hear a decision on, and again, that can come at the end of the season. A bit surprising to hear this now, um, but just in an interview, he had mentioned that he was going to sign with Anaheim at the end of the season, and that was the goal. So nice to nice to have at least one of them committed, and you know, not have to worry about another Justin Justin Schultz type situation yet. So, mm-hmm. absolutely, I um. I mean, look, I think the Justin Schultz thing was overblown. It was really fun to hate that guy for no real reason. Yeah. Um, it gave the Ducks it, this weird stigma that, like, all their col- college players have left and not signed with the team when it's really only ever been Justin Schultz. One guy, yeah. Like, uh, it's so funny. Um, but, no, the thing with Lacombe is it's nice. It's just, uh, you know, again, like, it's just this is a guy that was taken, you know, a couple of years ago, and he's kind of just gone on this nice little journey of going through college and getting better every year. Uh, I think I saw something that he might be up for, like, he could be in the running for the Hobie Baker this year or something. Yeah, he was nominated, but then, like, there's a long list of guys that get nominated. And, yeah, yeah, right. He, like, he'll, and it's still early. Yeah, he'll be in the mix, um, but when it comes down to, like, the eventual right. finalist. Still, yeah. it's it's nice, right? Yeah. It's nice, you know. At, at least like, showing that he had a good enough season to be considered mm-hmm. as that from his team, so... Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's good. It, you know, it's another left-handed shot. He's a puck-moving type guy. He's got decent size. What is he, like 6'1", 6'2", something like that? Yeah, six, I think he's like 6'1", six, six or 6'2", yeah. Um, you know, so it just gives us more opportunities, and, and you know, I, I think we all kind of feel like the left side seems pretty sewn up uh, with the two studs, but, you know, anything could happen between now and then. Yeah. So, you have no idea if either of those two guys are going to hit for sure. So to just keep having guys that look like they could be, you know, a regular NHL player is just nice and having the pipeline. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Thrun. But the Lacombe thing is good news. Or the, the, the commitment from Lacombe, I should say, is good news. Yeah, and I'm sure it's, it's an, I don't want to say an easier decision from him, but again, he was playing on a team with uh, at least one guy, two guys who were drafted by the Ducks, one guy who had already signed out of college, and Blake McLaughlin, who's playing with the Gulls right now. So it's the, that path, you can see it, right? He had a, a, a guy who would imagine is his friend, or at the very least his teammate, who's made mm-hmm. that decision. Um, and then yeah, with Thrun, in his case, Moore also Ian Moore also plays on that team as well. So he'll be another guy in a couple of years that has to make a similar decision. He's buddies um, and played on the same uh, USNTDP team as Trevor Zegras, so I'm sure you know they they could be in contact about that situation as well. And I think at the, at the end of the day, Thrun will probably sign in Anaheim. I don't see why not. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity for him to get to the NHL sooner than some other situations, but it it's going to be in his hands, right? We're almost at the end of their season. He's going to have to make that decision. Um, I think eventually, just like Lacombe, he'll sign in Anaheim. But at least you've got one of them locked down. You know, one guy is going to come back, and hopefully, it's both of them. You don't. You never like to see a guy uh, lose a guy for nothing, and that's the small risk you run with uh, players in college, and you know, not really getting a commitment until after their three or four years in college. So we'll see. But I, I, I got confidence he'll he'll end up making the decision to come to Anaheim. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's weird because there's like the Anaheim fan part of me that is like, man, I really hope, you know, that he sees a path forward in Anaheim and he comes and he signs here and then, you know, works his way up or whatever. And if he moves on later, he moves on later. And then there's the other part of me that's just like, just do whatever you want, dude. Yeah, you you, you had no say in this crap. Like, yeah. you actually have a little bit of leverage here, and you should take every opportunity to use it. So, good for you. Like, Yeah, at the end of the day, it's I, this guy's career. Um, it would suck for him not to come to Anaheim, but, like, you can't <laughs> criticize the guy for exercising a right that's given to him that if the Ducks haven't signed him by the end of his college mm-hmm. career that he has the opportunity to pick anywhere he wants to go. There's some freedom and that comes with that and he's earned that right to make that decision if he wants to go somewhere, whether it's somewhere closer to home or a team that he's always wanted to play for, a team that he feels is a better path for his development, then that, you know, so be it at that point. Yeah, and I mean, we see it every year, right? The number of guys who get picked that are from Europe or from juniors who never even make it to the AHL level. Yeah. As much as it is to some degree losing something for nothing, it's the value of the pick. Like, maybe you could have traded that pick for a player. Maybe you could have taken somebody else, sure. But, like, there was a reason, to whatever degree, that you liked that guy. And you understood that the risk of, look, it's a draft pick. They might not make it. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, I mean, Dylan, I just saw cruising around today that Dylan McElroy is still buried in someone's AHL team. I'm not surprised. That guy will stick around. And, you know, and it's just, like, one of those things. It's just, and, you know, I mean, he was a first overall pick. So, like... It's just one of those things where, like, you can't necessarily predict and and you have to kind of try to be a little bit level-headed about it. Obviously, the investment for us and for people listening is in the ducks. But at the same time, you know, this kid's like, what, 22, 23? He's got a chance to kind of exercise a little bit of say in where he's headed. Um, So, you know, I I, I hope he comes to Anaheim, but I I hope whatever he ends up picking, it makes the right decision for himself. So yeah, yeah, and like you said before, we're talking about Lacombe too. Like the good thing is, the Ducks aren't like weak on that left side when it comes to prospects. When you you think of um, Selweger and Minchikov down the left as well, um, and then now you have Lacombe there. So it's not the end of the world. It's not the worst position for them to lose a player. Still sucks no matter what, but um, plenty of time for that decision to be made. I can't remember, so we're going to move into the the trade reviews of the two deals that happened. <clears throat> we recorded a show on the fourth, I think, or we released it on the fourth. Um, the Horvat trade happened in January. Did we cover the Horvat trade on the last show? I can't remember. I think we did a little bit, but I don't know if we did. So let's just pretend we didn't. Okay, and we'll just touch on it. So for quick. anybody who missed it, uh, Bo Horvat traded to the New York Islanders twenty five percent of his salary retained. At the time, he was pending uh, UFA. Anthony Beauvillier went the other way, as well as the Islanders. I would I guess I would say he's their top prospect. Aturati. He was their top prospect, yeah. yeah. And a 2023 first-round pick that's conditional. The pick becomes an unprotected 2024 first-round pick if it's in the top 12, which is interesting because right now it is. But here's the other thing with that. They do have the opportunity to give the pick away still. Okay, so like that Brady kind of Kachuk like that situation? S- exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay, so that exactly. makes sense. Yeah, it's probably it probably puts them in, in there as like a top 12 protection and and then so they have the opportunity to just make that decision with a lower value pick. I don't know why you wouldn't just say top 10, but top two picks it doesn't it gives them some more flexibility, I guess, to 
see if they want to keep it or not. Obviously, the Islanders hope that they make the playoffs, so that doesn't even matter at the end of the day. But Yeah, exactly. We'll see. And, and then um, a day or two after, uh, Bo Horvat re-signs with the Islanders or signs with the Islanders long-term at 8 by 8 and a half, I think, or mm-hmm. 7 by 8 and a half. Eight by eight and a half. Eight by eight and a half, which uh, even Lou Lamorello came out and admitted the was... The greatest quote. ...was too much for too long, so... <laughs> so good. Um, if anybody that was, was going to come out and say that. You know, honestly, like, a <clears throat> perfect situation for Lou would also have be having John Tortorella there. So you're just getting... Or Daryl Sutter as the head coach, yeah, as the Islanders. You'd just be getting quotes from both ends. From both oh, my sides God. Could things, you yeah. imagine the two of them working together? That would be so funny. That would be amazing. Um, but I think one, it's a good fit for the Islanders. They needed a center and they needed like a, a quality top six center. I like Bo Horvat, maybe not for eight by eight and a half million dollars. I, th- I think if you take the extension out and you think, you know, you're getting, or at least the value of the extension, I think what they gave up to get Bo Horvat and then signed for eight years, I think that's reasonable. I think it's worth it. Uh, for where the Islanders think they want to be at this point, the extension is is beyond the trade. It's outside of the trade. I think they ended up paying too much for the player, but giving up a roster player, you know, a top pick and a, your top prospect for a player like that, I I think it makes sense. I think it's a fair deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's easy to to look at all of the reasons why the extensions, you know, again, too much for too long. But at the same time, like. This is the opportunity that Bo Horvat had to cash in, and I don't think he was going to take less than eight by eight. Yeah. Um, especially after getting run out of Vancouver for asking for, you know, what he's worth as of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like it. I like it. He seems like a good dude. He seems um, like the kind of guy that's going to be able to fit in there. Like, I'm a sucker for this kind of shit, but like, I really appreciated that. Like, the story about like him going to talk it when talking got the job and being like, Look, I'm obviously we both know I'm not going to be here forever, but for as long as I'm here, I'm the guy. So, yeah. he started well in, in New York, too. To his credit, he's played really well. In, yeah, I think he had a goal in his first game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I know. He's, I think he had a goal and an assist last night. He slotted in top line. Barzell shifted to the wing. He's playing top power play. So, I mean, he's getting the same opportunities, if not a little bit more, that he got in Vancouver. And the extension signed now. So, like, the thing everybody always says is, oh, it's contract year. A guy's playing out of his mind. Next year, he's not going to be the same. Or when he signs the extension, he's going to tail off. To his credit, I know it's a small sample size. Um, He's looked great in an Islanders uniform. Hasn't tailed off by any means. He's looked just as good as he has for Vancouver this year. So um, it's paying early dividends for Islanders. Obviously, you know you have the remainder of this season and the rest of these the eight years of this contract for it to pay off. But it's looking like a good trade for them. But they need to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, it it looks a little bit rough. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's really the key. Like. Short of missing the playoffs and winning the lottery, mm-hmm. um, it's not a great look. Like it, again, like if they luck into you know a top two pick or and they can take like a Fantilli or something, then yeah, you're in a completely different position. And even at that point, I wonder if you maybe look at trading backwards or something like that and trying to pick up roster players. But um, it's an interesting thing, like you can't just have a roster of 25 year olds. Like it just doesn't work. And of all the guys to, to bet on, 
I understand the concerns about like production, but again, like I said, I think as far as like leadership, as far as quality of individual, like, you know, effort and stuff like that, you know, this is a guy that's going to be there for you. So yeah, even if he regresses, you're getting a 50, 55 point player who has, was a captain, has leadership capabilities, um, defensively is, is very solid. You know he's going to be one of the best face-off guys in the league. You're you're getting a, a floor that you're comfortable with, where you know if the production isn't sixty to seventy points every year, you're only slightly overpaying for this guy, and you're just getting disappointed on the point totals at the end of the day, right? Like the rest of it's going to be there. You know what you're getting with Horvat, so it is pretty safe in that sense to make the deal. Um, and 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 from the from the Vancouver side of things, like I kind of like what they got, and it's a good partner for them to get a first round pick from because there's no guarantee that the Islanders are going to make the playoffs if they do whatever it's the same as if you traded him to an actual contender and you got a late first round pick anyway if they don't and they make that difficult situation to either give you what would be a top 15 pick this year so you'd have two top 15 picks in a very deep draft or you get the unprotected pick for them from next year and there's no guarantee they're going to be better and make the playoffs next year because the Islanders just really aren't a team that you look at and say they're going to be better than the rest of the teams in that division so on the first round pick side of things I like that from um, Vancouver I think Aturati he's an interesting prospect a guy that at one point was supposed to challenge for first overall in his draft and fell all the way down he's looked pretty good since coming over from Europe and now he's going to be playing for Abbotsford I believe it is in the AHL for Vancouver. He had like six shots through the first two periods in his debut down there for them. I mean, it's not six points, but seems to be engaged in a player that could fit into this retool, I guess, that Vancouver is doing. They're never in a full rebuild, but a guy who could play for them next year or the year after. And Beauvillier has come in, and he's factored in, I think, on eight of the last nine goals for Vancouver. So he's been a nice fit for them to bring in and still be competitive and, and have a player on their roster that can contribute. So I, I like the deal from their standpoint. I think it works for both teams. Um, it's just mm-hmm. the extension bit of it that edges it uh, away from the Islanders a little bit for me. But that's besides the trade. So Yeah, I understand that bit of it. I do. Um, but I, again, like I, I think it's a perfectly fine B, B-plus trade for both teams. I think both teams get something they need. Like Again, like... I understand that, like, in a vacuum or from a purely, like, cold logic standpoint, like, the Horvat extension is bad and trading young pieces for that guy when you might not, you know, all this. I, I get the whole, but, like, it's Lou Amarillo's team. Like, he's not going to not be all in. And he just signed Matthew Barzal to that extension. So the two options are trading Barzal or trading to get help. And I like this option. I don't think if you're the Islanders, you can let Barzal go, and you can't definitely can't just let that run out like it happened with Tavares, right? Like, so I think as far as all that's concerned, it makes a lot of sense. And then for Vancouver, they get a decent pick with some upside, or sorry, they get a decent player with some upside still, who could kind of find his footing in a new situation. You know, uh, breaking into the league under Trots isn't necessarily always the the best for a young player. Yeah. And then the pick has the potential to be really solid this year or next year. And then Rachu is a good player. Like he, he's a good prospect. He's an interesting prospect. Like when you walk out of a trade with the best prospect from the other team, like there is something to that. Yep. Um, you know, and if he's just 
a second line guy, like that's perfectly fine. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be hoping that the pick that they have this year is what gets them the guy that complements Peterson. So Ratu is just, um, you know, an extra lottery card basically. So yeah, I like it. I, I don't think it's a bad trade for either side. I get why both sides could have probably done better or done differently, but I don't think that any part of that is really based in like the real world. Yeah. Yeah, and for Vancouver to back themselves into a corner like that and every team knowing they have to deal this guy because he's not going to be coming back to still get something of value like that, I I do think, like you said, it is a solid B for both teams. You know, you could nitpick a a few things here or there and say, oh, they could have got a little bit more or the the Islanders could have held Vancouver to, you know, taking a little bit less. At the end of the day, I think it works out for both teams and so far it has worked out. Uh, for both teams, I don't know. it remains to be seen in the future how Horvat's going to fit there long term. Um, but again, you know, it's it's very very difficult to judge a trade and how it's going to look down the road. Now, um, the only other trade, the only other big trade that has happened was Vladimir Tarasenko finally moved out of St. Louis, uh, goes to the Rangers, where apparently all the Russians want to go, all the Russian free agents and all those guys, they all want to land either in Florida or in New York. So he joins Artemi Panarin, 50% retained. Uh, Nico, or yeah, Nika or Nico Mikola also joins uh, the Rangers from the Blues. Sammy Blaze returns back to St. Louis. Uh, goaltending prospect Hunter Skinner all goes to the Blues as well, as well as the Rangers' first-round pick this year. Wait, no. Hunter Skinner's not a, goal, uh, not a goalie. Is he? I think he is. He's a, he's a defenseman. Oh. He's a right shot D. Damn, I thought he was a goalie. Am I? Oh, I'm thinking of Stuart Skinner in Edmonton. You're thinking yeah. of Stuart Skinner. Yeah. Um, sorry, yeah, defensive prospect Hunter Skinner, 2023 20, first round pick from this year, 2024 fourth round pick uh, from next year. The conditions are if the 2023 first round pick is uh, will be the later of the Rangers and the Dallas pick. So whichever one is later, um, the Blues will get that one. And the conditions on next year's pick is if the Rangers make the playoffs in 2023, the fourth-round pick becomes a third-round pick, which is almost shoo-in. So it's going to be a first, a third, um, Hunter Skinner and Sammy Blaze. I think it's fair. No extension in place. So this is kind of a pure rental, and it's basically the high-end rental price. A team's like Mm -hmm. sixth or seventh best prospect, their first-round pick, which is going to be guaranteed a late first-round pick, like 25 or lower likely, Mm -hmm. Um, a third, and a roster player who the Blues have familiarity with to to plug into their team. I I think it's good. I think it's good for both teams. I I like the fit a lot for the Rangers to bring in a a high-caliber winger like Tarasenko, I think at this point they would have hoped that Lafreniere or Kako would have been at that level and they wouldn't have had to go out and do this, but they haven't quite got there yet. And they, you know, they, before acquiring Tarasenko, they had Jimmy Vesey playing with Zibinijad and Panarin. So it's a major upgrade to go from Jimmy Vesey, no discredit to him, but to be able to plug Tarasenko on that line with those guys. It just gives him more depth, more flexibility. So I like the fit there. And for the Blues, it's just a guy who wasn't going to come back. It wasn't going to re-sign next year. you got to get something for him. And they might go ahead and flip that pick, um, whether now or at the draft. Um, and they get a player, again, they're familiar with in Sammy Blaze. So I like it. I like it for both teams. Yeah, no, I think, again, it's another trade that makes a lot of sense for everybody involved. I think, um, you know, obviously 
Patrick Kane was part of this in so much as the Rangers were a place that he would have been potentially willing to waive his no movement clause for, and they were a team that would have had interest in a player of his caliber. Like, I think it's fair to say that Vladimir uh, Tarasenko isn't necessarily as dynamic offensively as, as Patrick Kane is, but he is going to come into that lineup and score goals. He is going to be able to put the puck in the net, which is what they need more than anything. Like, yeah. Zabinijad can make plays. You know what I mean? Chris Kreider has predictably regressed, and I think he's still on pace for, like, 30-something goals. He might even get near 40 by the end of the year, but, you know, he's not a 60-goal guy like he was last year. But it's um, it's just – it's cool, man. Like, I'm – it's a good trade. It's a it's a nice trade to have, especially as like a third party fan, because you're like, okay, I see what the Blues are doing, um, and for the Rangers, you're like, good. I'm glad the Rangers are going all in. Right, this is the kind of stuff you want. You want teams making these kinds of aggressive decisions, and I think the opportunity to add that quality of player without any long term commitment is really high. Is really important. Um, this is a team that doesn't necessarily have the most cap space rolling forward, and so not having to overcommit um, is good. I think moving on from Hunter Skinner is interesting because you know it kind of cements Braden Schneider as one of their guys long term. Which yeah. you know he was playing top four minutes in the playoffs last year. So and their their right side is guy. is pretty solidified with Fox, Truba, and Schneider now, right? right. Like there was. Uh, not I, I'm you know a clear path for Hunter Skinner anymore. So if you're if you're okay with giving up any position, if you're the Rangers, I think the right sided defense is as solidified as you can get. Right, um, and uh, you know Sammy Blaze is nice. He scored in his first game back in St. Louis, which was nice. Yeah. He had been sent down uh, to it's not Rochester. Who is the Rangers team? Ha- it's Hartford. Okay, <coughs> he got sent down to Hartford. Um, I, I don't know, man. It feels like, honestly, this feels like just a really good trade that makes a lot of sense for everybody and has the opportunity to pay dividends. And Panarin and uh, Tarasenko are apparently close. Chris Drury said he walked over. He basically walked down and talked to Panarin about it, potentially about what the fit was like. And Panarin was like, good guy, good player, blah, blah, blah. You know, bringing in good players that are also friends with your guys. Like, you know how I feel about that stuff, yeah. man. I love that stuff. I, I like that part of it. I think that's a good way to, you know, we've heard a lot of talk, and I know some people think that this can get a little overblown, but, like, around the deadline, we always hear GMs talk about not wanting to mess with the room too much, right? You like the chemistry. You like the makeup. You don't want to mess with the vibe or anything like that. Bringing in a guy who has something to preach, has upside, and who also um, is friends with one of the the big stars on your team is is very cool in my opinion. And so I think it has the opportunity for him to just step up and be a really big part of a good postseason run for this. So, so which one of these two do you think is a better trade? Um, in in the buyer side and the seller side. So which which team do you think got is got the most value and the better player for their fit on the buyer side, and then which player got the better, or which team got the better package for that player on the seller side? I think the Tarasenko deal is a better trade for both teams on both sides. Yeah. Um, you know, like 
I think Tarasenko is better than Horvat. He fills uh, a need for a team that is clearly contending. Like that is the one holdup with the Horvat trade, right? Is that he's not a missing piece. Mm-hmm. He's a good chunk of what they're looking for. Yeah. And that's very different. This is not quite the same, but this is a little bit closer to like a Ryan Kessler thing than it is, you know, a high end rental or something like that. And obviously the extension like that. But I think if you're the Rangers, like you have to be going for it right now. And to get a guy like Tarasenko who, you know, has that kind of playoff experience, who's been able to, um, play in a lot of postseason games you know he's a big body he's never really been shy about you know being physical in the corners and stuff like that and he's got a wicked shot like i, I think you're the rangers you you pay this price every time yep yeah, yeah I, i'm i'm the same on the buyer side i, I like the tarasenko deal better for the fit uh it's a pure rental you're you know you're just going in all in this year and you didn't have to give up too much to get that in a sense like you give up your first round pick a third from next year prospect who again there's clear block for progression for him and then a player that you really weren't using that much anyway like you said blaze has gone down to the ahl and goes back to a team that he's familiar with so it's you know it is what it is that the rangers aren't really losing anything and they're gaining a significant upgrade to their team on the seller side of things I, i like what vancouver ended up getting for Bo Horvat, when you know it's a player you knew you weren't going to bring back, you found a team that wanted to extend him, so you got the sign and trade extension price for it, and you got the first round pick, which was always going to be a part of the deal. But again, it's not a guaranteed late first round pick, you have that upside of it being a top 15 pick this year, potentially, or an unprotected first round pick next year from a team that I don't think anybody should be confident is going to be a playoff team next year, let alone this year. You get their top prospect, and you get a solid player, a player that a lot of teams wanted over the last couple of years. The Ducks have been linked to Anthony Beauvillier in the past, former first-round pick, I believe, um, and a guy who's fit pretty well in, in their roster already. So selling side, I like what they got for Horvath. I think it's really good value, yeah, and on, on the buyer side, that fit for Tarasenko with the Rangers is too, too good to pass up. Yeah, uh, real quick, just because it's fun, this is one of my favorite things to do every time. Uh, the lineup for the game today just got announced. Okay. Uh, the top line, Grant Zegras Strom. <laughs> Second line, Henrique McTavish Silverberg. Okay. Third line, Vetrano Lundestrom Jones. Fourth line, Carrick Magnuson. Fowler Kulikov top pair, Bolyu Klingberg second pair, Benoit Shattenkirk third pair. Gibby starts, Dostal backs up. <sighs> I just, I love it. I love it so much. I can't wait to just go to the quote tweets and, uh, oh, John Klingberg is out due to illness and Colton White will replace him in the lineup. So Klingberg is not in. Is that illness also trade-related reasons? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. He's got a case with the Mondays. Um, But, yeah, I love, dude. I love whenever they announce the lineup and just watching people get mad at them for something. It's so funny. I'm guessing all the um, annoyances with Grant being on the first line. Yeah, yeah. And come to us scratched, right? I didn't hear his name mentioned. Uh, Yes. Somebody put that in our um, Patreon earlier today that he was going to be a scratch tonight um, and tried to link it to... um, the chicken situation and <laughs> saying, Oh, it looks like we're going to get chicken, yeah. which I mean, listen, it, 
he's he's being healthy scratch. It is what it is. But the Ducks have a history of not only healthy scratching Comtois, but healthy scratching players who haven't played well. And um, Comtois was demoted like mid game down to the fourth line last game as well. So clearly they're just they weren't happy with what he was doing, and it's just resulted, I would imagine. Uh, in a healthy scratch for him but yeah I mean now you guys know we are recording this um just before the game today uh against Vegas so you, I'm you'll all be listening to this after the, the fact for that game but a nice little live lineup talk for for today's game what did we have predictions for this do, do we both have them losing I can't remember uh I think I had them winning probably you're always the optimist so you probably had them winning Okay, wait, wait, wait. We have to do this. I'm going to send you this video. you got to see this Willie Melander hit. From today or from yesterday? From yesterday against the Blues or uh, against the Blue Jackets. I want to hear your reaction live. This is wild. Oof. Wow. <laughs> so anybody who didn't see this yesterday, Nylander takes a, a shot from Blankenberg Um Behind mm-hmm. the net, just a simple hit, nothing serious, just a little bump basically into the boards. Turns around and wildly throws a, the butt end of his stick into the face of Blankenberg. I, I doesn't like you can't really see how much contact he gets, but obviously it's enough that he goes down. That's rough. It's fun. okay. It is funny though because if you say that and you think about the scene from Mighty Ducks of. Next time you hit you, I want you to grab your eye like your cut. And go yeah, down. yeah, it does. <laughs> and that's exactly what it looks like. But and I'm not, I am not accusing Blankenberg of over exaggerating or anything like that. And even if he is, I don't really care. I don't mind diving. It is what it is. Until they make the rules more legitimate around punishing it, I think guys should do it because it's going to work. Well, yeah, um, we watch a lot of soccer, and that looks like anytime any player ever gets brushed in the face and immediately goes down like somebody just scratched their eye out. So, oh, <clears throat> best. Um, but. Man, Willie Nylander's fucking had it up to here, I guess. That, I was not prepared for him to be the guy doing that craziness like that. But yeah, it looks like he catches him with the butt end in the face. Um, anyways, uh, Max Comfort for Jacob Chikrin. The trade is one for one. Uh, we can <laughs> announce that right now on the podcast. Um, did uh, Did you see there's an interaction between uh, Eric Carlson and P.K. Subban at the All-Star game? And uh, they were talking about, like, Carlson's curve and the curve he uses or whatever. And uh, PK made some comment about a curve he switched to when he got older, near the end of his career, um, because, like, he couldn't shoot the puck as hard as whatever. And, and Carlson made a comment. He's like, oh, so that's why you retired. <laughs> <laughs> Camera just pans Jesus. away from, from PK, but I thought that was good. Oh, my goodness. Love it. I did not see that. That's savage. Love me some EK. Um, okay. Into EK the trade predictions. We have a long list of players that could go at the deadline. They're predicted to go at the deadline. Not a ton of... I mean, two of the big names have already been moved in Horvat and Tarasenko. I would say there's three, maybe four major names left. Meyer, Chikrin, Patrick Kane, and then, you know... You could maybe say Taves or Ryan O'Reilly or John Klingberg or our major names, Brock Besser. But I'd say it's three headliners, and then um, it starts to tail off a little bit from there. And Eric Carlson, I think you could throw in that mix, but there's been debate whether that deal could actually end up getting pulled off or not. Um, How do you want to approach this? I know we have some mock trades, a few each. 
Um, do you want to go down the list? And then if you have a mock trade for that one, we discuss it during that. Or do you want to just head into our mock trades and then discuss the rest of the guys after? Let's ju- let's just go down. Oh, wait a minute. Lisa Doman. Ducks at Klinger is out of illness. Comtois is the other scratch. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to make sure. So let's do this. Let's go down uh, on the list. We'll go all the way to Goss Despair. Okay. Once we get to Goss Despair, we'll just do, do we think they move? Do we think they don't okay, move? Okay, fair. But the guys a little bit above them, we can do a little bit more talking about. Okay. So if anybody who wants to follow along, the list that we're going to be going by is the fourth period's trade watch list. <coughs> just an order from who they have at the top down. So first guy, and uh, the real kind of headlining name left, um, is Timo Meyer. I still don't understand this one from a shark situation like i understand they're rebuilding i don't know why you would ever want to move on from this guy um it's a weird pivot from the fact they signed hurdle long term and now are deciding to cash in on timo meyer it's not like he's a ufa at the end of the year either he's a, a restricted free agent this summer um but he has a he does come with a 10 million dollar qualifying offer so they'll have to work out an extension. You can't really submit a qualifying offer to this guy at that point for $10 million. $10 million, you might as well just sign him to a long-term extension. Um, the Sharks apparently don't want to be in that situation, so they do have full control to move him. A lot of teams linked. New Jersey, Philadelphia, Winnipeg, Buffalo, Montreal, Detroit, Boston, just to name a few. What do you think on, on the Sharks like initially, just right off the bat, moving Meyer or exploring moving. Was this a guy, if you were San Jose, you would move or bring back? And, like, it just looks a little weird with the whole Hurdle situation, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Hurdle is you're looking at Hurdle being the guy who's going to replace Logan Couture whenever you move him in a couple of years. I, I think Thomas Hurdle is a guy that, you know, based on some of the Sharks fans I've seen talking about it, the room really respects. Um you know, he's a guy that I know a lot of fans would prefer to be the captain of in Logan And I don't think you necessarily have a problem, you know, keeping a guy like Hurdle who's going to be, a, you know, he's going to be able to be a top-line center for you. Um, he's going to play well at both ends of the ice. He's going to produce. He's going to, you know, so I, I get the decision. And I think, yeah, I think moving Timo Meyer makes a lot of sense, right? Because I don't, I mean, unless... You can move Eric Carlson with minimal salary retained. I don't know how you can afford to keep him around, and yeah. I don't know who else you can afford to move. Yeah, I think it's the um, time. Like I, again, you know, you're, he's a re- pending restricted free agent, so you don't have to move him. But I think it is the right time to move him because it gives any team that acquires him there doesn't have to be an extension in place because they will have the right to have that conversation exclusively to sign him to an extension. So there is a little bit more peace of mind there that there doesn't have to be a sign and trade. You do have the rights to have that conversation. So I think on a San Jose standpoint, like it is now or never, you have to move him or re-sign him. And um, I, yeah, like again, trying to fit him under the cap and just with the situation they're in right now, if it was an Anaheim situation, I would say move him too. Like, I just don't think it would mm-hmm. make sense to re-sign him at this point with the stage that they're in. They're getting pretty close to having, to do a full rebuild and start from scratch. So it's going to be a long journey for them to get there. Um, You know, hurdle withstanding, like, yeah, I guess, you know, you want to have one veteran in the locker room, a guy who's been around to, you know, start bringing in the next wave of guys, Eklund and the next wave of guys they draft. 
<coughs> over the next couple of years here. So it, it makes sense, I guess, to keep him around. But yeah, you need to get whatever you can for Meyer right now. And he definitely is the number one option on the market. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the thing too, right? Is because of his age and because of his quality, you are going to get a lot, right? Like the names that you hear around the Meyer trade are teams top, if not, you know, two or three prospects, right? So I think for them it makes a lot of sense because they clearly don't seem to think Eklund is ready because there's really no reason for him not to be with the big club if they think he can play NHL minutes. So they're waiting on it, which I'm fine with. You know what I mean? Don't bring him up unless you have to or whatever. Um, it's just a, it's just an unfortunate timing thing. I mean, this is, you know, the, I mean, I feel like in some ways this is kind of similar to what last year was with the ducks with, um, Hampus Lindholm, right? He's a guy that you clearly see a place for on the team. You know exactly what he's going to do, exactly where he's going to be. He's going to play at a high level for you. But it's hard to rationalize spending the money on that guy. And again, similar to Anaheim, like Logan Couture is making eight million. Thomas Hurdle's making eight point two like, or eight point one. You know, then you've got Vlasic making seven. You've got Carlson making eleven and a half. Like, there's just not a lot of loose change around. And so I think for them, it makes a lot of sense. They're going to be able to, you know, in a weird way, this might be their best shot at accelerating the rebuild time because they're going to get prospects, right? And like, you know, the name that we've heard a lot of is uh, Alexander Holtz from Jersey. And I was thinking about it earlier, and it's like really funny that I think two of the wingers that you and I were pretty high on could (laughs) both end up on San Jose by the end of this all. Um, but you know, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I think Mike Greer is just kind of trying to go by piece by piece and see what he has to do. But I don't know that there's a great argument for keeping him other than, well, he's really good. Yeah. Yeah. All all logic points to that. They should move him at the stage they're at now. Um, so he was one of the guys I did a mock trade for, and it was to New Jersey. I just love that fit. Um, mm-hmm. for the New Jersey getting a powerful dynamic score to add to their system. They don't have a ton of depth on the wings. They've been really good this year, but to add a player like Timo Meyer to that would be great. You've got that connection between him and Hischer. Anytime they play together for Switzerland, that too is just a, a duo that you put on the ice together and you feel comfortable with. So it would be really cool to see him <clears throat> slot in with Hischer and then allow the Devils to move somebody like Bratt or... Um, Palat down to play with Jack, who's who's playing with Zetterlin and Sharon Govich right now when he was healthy. So to get him a little bit more support um, to play too, I think would be great. But I did have Holt as one of the pieces going to San Jose. The full trade was Meyer, um, three million retained, uh, and a fourth round pick this year, which is Seattle's fourth round pick, and just an AHL player to make the contracts work. Um, so. New Jersey wasn't over the uh, the 50-player roster limit. Holtz was going back to the Sharks. Andreas Janssen to help with some of the salary. He's been buried by the Devils uh, all year, so he'd be an easy one to go. He has a no-trade clause or a modified no-trade clause, so he'd have to waive to go there. But I imagine, uh, as a player who hasn't played many NHL games this year, I uh, would welcome the opportunity to step right into presumably the top six for the Sharks. Uh, and actually play some games would be a place you'd be willing to go to. 
I have Shakir Muhammadulin going as the defenseman. I was going to do Seamus Casey, but it felt like a reach to give like two of their top four prospects, especially Holtz being number two on that list behind Luke Hughes. So I went with the guy underneath it, uh, defenseman for Mukama Dillon. Their first-round pick, New Jersey's this year, and their second-round pick next year. So Holtz, Janssen, Mukama Dillon, this year's first, next year's second for Meyer and a fourth is what I went for. I think it's fair. Um, that's that seems yeah. Yeah, you're you're getting full value for the player. He's not a rental. New Jersey's gonna do everything they can to re-sign this guy long term. Um, and the only the only big question is the New Jersey side of things is like, do you feel it's worth giving up Alexander Holtz for for Meyer with the, everything else in this deal? And I think you do because ultimately, what you would hope that Holtz would become is Timo Meyer, right? A yes. thirty to forty goal scorer, sixty to seventy point guy. Um, who just does everything well. And New Jersey needs that now. Their window has almost accelerated because of how good they've been this year. And to add a player, you know, to give up Holtz to add a player that is basically the finished version of the best version of Holtz, um, I think it's fair. And, and now you give up a little bit of picks there and some other prospects to make up for that difference and that gap between what Holtz is now and what he could be if. He turns into right. something like Timo Meyer, so I think it's a fair trade for both sides. A lot of teams linked to Meyer, but my favorite destination for sure would be New Jersey, just to see him link back up with Nico Hischer. Yeah, I mean it makes a lot of sense. I think, um, yeah, I mean I think the value seems pretty pretty solid. Um, you know, I think if you're San Jose, maybe you do try to push him and see if they'll give you Seamus Casey. Yeah. Um, obviously, but like. Beyond that, you know, I like it. I mean, maybe you go for, like, Sharon Ovich or someone like that because, like, he was really good last year for them. Um, You know, but, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head as far as what you're hoping Holtz becomes is Timo Meyer. And with the way, like, you have Jack Hughes having an MVP season right now, giving him a legitimate finisher is the best thing you can do to really try to push this team over the edge. I mean... Other than maybe another goalie, like I don't know that they need anything else other than a legitimate top six goal scorer, yeah. which this gets them. Yeah, they don't even need the defenseman. I mean, you could argue their roster right now, they could use the defenseman, but they've got Nemec in the AHL and Luke Hughes coming over from Michigan next year. Both of them should be on the roster. So they didn't, I don't think anybody. They just got John Marino back from India yeah. too. Like they're fine. John Marino, you have Dougie Hamilton on the team. Ryan Graves is good. Siegenthaler has been good. So they're fine right now. And, and I don't think anybody expected them to be as good as they are and if you can add a player like Timo Meyer, who's only 26 it's not just this year it helps you this year for sure and you can try and make a run with you know this storybook run that you didn't expect to be a, you know near the top of your division but then you have Meyer for eight more years after you extend him and then you get Luke Hughes and Nemec into the system so yeah if you can go out get Meyer and then with you know additional assets if you don't move Casey or you don't move Muhammad Dillon move him Somebody else go out. Maybe you can get Demko from uh, Vancouver. Or maybe you can go out and get a goaltender from mm-hmm. somewhere, um, or look ahead to free agency and, and sign somebody there. But to Vanacek's credit, he's been very good for them. So I would uh, I'd give him some credit for the way he's been able to play. He's clearly taken over that number one job uh, from Mackenzie Blackwood. So I love what the the Devils are doing. And if I could pick anywhere for Timo Meyer to go, it'd be there. Yeah, I mean, I think there, I think, um, 
I've seen people say Toronto. I have no idea how the fuck they make that happen. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, well, the, the thing I just saw Buffalo. on that too for Winnipeg and Toronto, um, there was a post that just came out is they would consider trading for him now and then trading him again in the summer, trading his rights, which would be a very weird, interesting situation. So basically huh. using him as a rental and you're not going to pay the rental price, but recouping the difference there by moving his rights in the summer and getting a few assets back. So I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that to be honest with you, but it would be interesting. Yeah. Well, that would be very interesting, but you know, I mean, yeah, I think the teams that you would say, are the ones that could use him the most are uh, the Devils, the Sabres, and Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg would be great for them, uh, you know. But I like Jersey right now, man. I like what they're doing. I like the way that they've played. That's a fun story. I like when teams build the right way and they're rewarded for it. Um, you know, I, I would love to see that happen. So, yeah, I think I'm with you. That and Buffalo would be the two yeah. I'd love to see him go to because that, that Buffalo team's easy to root for. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, and just like New Jersey needing a goal scorer, they could use somebody beyond Tage Thompson to put the puck in the back mm-hmm. of the net. So, Well, they might not because Tage Thompson seems like he'll never stop scoring goals again. Yeah. Um, you know what's fun with Tage is he's got a lot of those beating the goalie from 15 feet out goals. But he also has a lot of those Corey Perry just weird stick handling yeah. like a foot from the goalie. And it's awesome, man. Those goals are so much fun. Yeah, I mean, he's a huge kid. He's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, so he's got that reach of a kid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the funny thing with Corey Perry is you always noticed it felt like he used a, a stick that, like, Chara should use because he always just seemed to have that weird extra, like, reach to be able to, mm-hmm. to wrap it around a goaltender. Yeah, you notice that a lot with Tage, which, I mean, for Tage, it makes sense because the guy's a giant. But, uh, I, I mean, I like the Sabres, too. I like what they're building. I'm really happy for them that that trade for Tage Thompson panned out because I remember when it had happened, it was Ryan O'Reilly for Tage Thompson and a few other pieces, and everybody was like, you're, this is all you're getting for him. And now mm-hmm. Tage Thompson is, is turned into just a, a, a better player in all rights than, than what Ryan O'Reilly is giving to the Blues right now. So <clears throat> I'd love to see it for them. Well, I mean... Yes, at this point in their exactly, career. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. And you would expect that. That's what you would hope. I mean, Tage Thompson is significantly younger than Ryan O'Reilly. Right. Um, but if, yeah, if, if you're looking back at the trade now, the Sabres couldn't have hoped for much more than what they're getting from, from Tage Thompson at this point. Um, all right, we got, we got to move on to some of these other guys and we'll never get done this. Um, we'll go to the most recent guy who's been in the news, Jacob Chikrin. Scratched last night for trade-related Never reasons for the Coyotes. The The trade list for him is still probably the longest of anybody. The Ducks are still reportedly linked. Um, I think that just kind of stems to their interest from last year more than anything. But L.A., Edmonton, Anaheim, St. Louis, Toronto, Ottawa, Pittsburgh, Boston, Winnipeg, and Calgary are all teams that are reportedly linked. The ones that seem to have the most interest is Toronto, Edmonton, and L.A., uh, Jeff Merrick mentioned last night that all three teams kind of poured cold water on their interest in him um, with the news of him being scratched for trade-related reasons. Edmonton and Toronto specifically just said, no, it's not them, where L.A. just kind of avoided the conversation, which, again, you and I kind of talked a little bit last night. Um, might have just been to the fact that last night was Dustin Brown's night and they weren't trying to take away from that. Ultimately, I think that's where he goes. I think it's the place that makes the most sense, not only for the fit for him in L.A., but for what 
Arizona's going to get in return because it, it seems like their asking price of three to four assets, a first-round pick, another player of first-round value plus-plus is what they're sticking to. Of all the teams listed there, really it's just L.A. that can provide yeah. that value and for it not to significantly empty the prospect pool for the Kings as well. Yeah, no, I, I don't... I mean, unless Evan... Uh... Unless Edmonton wants to move on from like Bouchard, I don't know what they really have. You know what I mean? Like they don't have a great prospect pool. Toronto just doesn't make sense. I don't know what you're giving up. I don't know what you could. Po- I mean, unless you want to move Matthew Nyes, but they don't seem to want to do that. Maybe it's Topi Niemela. Maybe it's uh, is Topi the kid who's the right-handed defenseman? Yeah. Yeah, you can yeah. move Sandine, you know, so. but he's been good for them, and and he and he's almost Sandine and Lilligren are both. <clears throat> they're almost invaluable to the team because they they don't make a lot of money for the next two mm-hmm. years, and the Leafs are going to need to keep guys like that around. Yeah, I just I th- I think unfortunately L A makes the most sense for everybody involved. Like it gives Chikrin an opportunity to really thrive and play, you know, top pair minutes and stuff like that. It gives. Uh, Arizona the best shot at um, getting assets. I think, you know, I think you can make a, a reasonable argument that asset-wise Anaheim is in the mix as far as having things to move. Yeah. But I don't think it makes sense timing-wise quite yet. I don't think this team is really close enough to get the most value out of the last couple of years of that contract. Yeah, um, and, and the thing with Anaheim, too, is like uh, prospect-wise assets are there the difference i think is the success of the two teams this year where la's willingness to use their first round pick this year because they'll make the playoffs and anaheim nowhere being near that conversation of we're going to move our first round pick this year that's the difference i think between the two of them is la's okay trading that first because they think and and they should make the playoffs um where it's it's going to be a mid to late first round pick and it won't it won't mean Mm -hmm. anything to them so they can move their first and alex turcott and uh, you know uh, Matt Roy or Sean Walker, and then some another prospect in their system, and it doesn't really hurt them that much. You know, Chickren comes in and replaces what Roy or Walker give you now. The first round pick, it's just the cost of really doing any trade at the deadline. And then yeah, Turcotte's a big loss, but it's the same situation we talked about with Holtz and the Devils, right? You're you're moving a prospect, you have a pretty deep prospect pool, and you're right. getting a, a player that fills a hole where. If you're the Kings, you've got Kopitar, you've got Byfield, you've got Deneau. Turcotte hasn't panned out as much as you would have hoped at this point. He still has potential, but you have a nice little logjam there. It's the same again, same situation with Hunter Skinner at the Rangers, right? Like there's there's depth at that position. You can end up moving Turcotte, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt you as much as you know, a, 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 like a Brant Clark on the right side of the defense would. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> no. Um, yeah. No. It just makes a lot of sense, man. I just. You hate to see it as an Anaheim fan. Not a huge fan of the Kings getting better, but I, I just don't know where else he can really go. I just don't think, like, I keep hearing Boston, but, like, I don't, know how. I don't understand what Boston has. Like, they've got, like, Sel, they've got their first-round pick. They don't have a second-round pick because we have it. You know, maybe they take Greslick back and try to flip him either at the draft or something like that, but, you know, Greslick hasn't had a great year this year. Like, I, I just don't know... Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't really think there's much of a fit there, and especially the teams that are, you know, with the exception of, like, L.A. and 
what do you call it? Um, damn it. Give me a second. I'm so sorry. Uh, in the Devils, there aren't a lot of teams that have legitimate – uh, playoff shots this year that also have a quality of prospect pool to go out and get it. I mean, maybe Buffalo or something like that, but they don't need a left hand. Yeah, game. and th- their playoff hopes they they could make the playoffs still, but they're I don't think they're at the same level as those other two teams. Right. I, mean, I don't think New Jersey and, and LA are playoff favorites by by any means, but I do put them a little bit above Buffalo uh, if they go out and get those players. Yeah, absolutely. I think if LA adds Chickering and improves that top four. I think there is every reason to think they could push somebody, maybe even make the second round this yeah. year. Like, you know, and that's that's what you want, right? You've got two more years left of Anze Kopitar, this and next. Just push it, man. Gun for it. This they're they're an experienced get. team too. Like that's the thing. They've got the core of guys that have been there and done that. I think they have a bit more confidence going in without you know a superstar roster. In the sense, you make additions to the you know big additions to the spots where you're weak and you hope that that the rest of your roster kind of evens it out and that that experience takes you a bit farther and can get you past, mm-hmm. you know, a Dallas who might be better than you on paper, but you've got that experience over them and that, uh, you know, understanding of how to, to win in those types of situations. So I think it's going to be the case of like all these teams are linked and at the end of the day, they all put forward their best offers and it's just LA is just has the ability to put the better offer down. Right, you know, Boston again, like you said, they knew their first in LaSalle and you know, Grizzlick or something like that, but it just won't top, I think, of what the ability that LA has to put down a better offer. I think Edmonton could be an interesting one potentially, but you know, their first Broberg, Borgo, or something like that, but yeah, but even then, right, like just from us looking at it, it all depends on what Coyotes value more, but it just it does look like. LA has so many different avenues that they can go to make that mm-hmm. trade work that they just seem like the easy fit. They have for a while. They just felt like they would be the the yeah. inevitable destination uh, for Jacob Chikrin. So we'll see. Hopefully that would probably be the next big one that breaks in the next couple of days here uh, with him being scratched the other day. They, they must have some concrete conversations with a few teams for their, their felt the willingness to, to scratch him this early before the deadline. Um. Let's do these next two guys at the same time. Kane and Taves? Yeah. Yeah, yeah makes sense. Um, so Kane and Taves. Let's start with this, yeah. Eddie. Do you think either of them move? I think I'm more confident Taves moves than Kane at this point. Um, Interesting. I think you can – I think more teams could make Taves work than Kane. They make the same amount of money though, right? I believe ten mm-hmm. and a half uh, for the mm-hmm. next – Two years or no for just this year, right? No, they're both uh, UFA. They're both UFA. I just think there's more teams that the, the price for Taves will be lower. Yes, and there's more teams that can find a way to fit him in for the cost versus Kane. Where with Kane, you're getting you know paying similar to what the, the Rangers paid for Tarasenko. And then you're also having to find a way to fit 5.25 at a minimum onto your salary cap. I know it's the same with Taves, but you have to justify not only the cost there of a first-round pick, a prospect, plus, but to fit that much money under your cap or also you know, Chicago's willingness to take a bad contract back the other way. So I, I think there's like a 10% chance more that Taves gets moved. But I, I, there's a world where they both get moved. The, the Blackhawks have no reason to keep either of these guys. They are clearly mm-hmm. 
pushing for Connor Bedard, so I, I think it will come down to the wire. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I, I'd pick Jonathan Taves as the guy who, who gets moved. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I um I think I think it's easier to pick places where Taves fits, right? Yeah. Like I think Taves in Colorado makes a lot of sense. Taves in Buffalo makes a lot of sense. Like you can put these little places and see where they can kind of fit in. I I still think people are so, okay, Patrick Kane has not had a good year this year. He hasn't put up a ton of points. Uh, his underlying numbers are abysmal. But the team is bad, too. Um, but the team is a disaster. This guy had 92 points and, last year. That's the thing I always keep coming back to with Kane. It's like last year he had 92 points. Yeah, like I was talking to some people about this the other day, and I was like, you know, because they were like, why would you give up more than like a second or a third for Patrick Kane? And I was like, Patrick Kane, if he moves to a contender, is a legitimate Conn Smythe candidate. His his skill is so high that there is absolutely a world where he comes in, he catches fire in the playoffs, you win the whole damn thing, and you traded for a Conn Smythe winner, right? Like, we've seen him do it before. Like, I, I just the opportunity for him to move to a new place and become a difference maker just based off fucking vibes, right? Which is so ironic because I just don't think of him as a vibes guy. Like, I can't stand him. But the the atmosphere that he's in improving and, and the competitiveness of the team improving in such a way that it gets something out of him again, I would trade for Patrick Kane if I could, man. Like, if I was a team that really wanted to compete, like, I like... I like the Tarasenko trade for New York. I think they gave up less than they would have had to, as we talked about with for Patrick Kane. I still think there are teams out there who should absolutely be pushing for Patrick Kane. Yeah. And re- I mean, like if you're Buffalo, I think Buffalo should go get Patrick be a fun Kane one because he's fun. He's from there, and that gives you your best shot at bringing in a big name free agent this summer, right? Bring him in, get him around these guys. If he likes them, he sticks around. It goes well. Even if you don't quite make the playoffs, you just make a nice late push. You sign him to a couple of two, three, four-year extensions, something kind of like Claude Giroux did in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And you just see if you can make it work. I don't know that there's a lot of other places for him. Like I think he has the opportunity to be a difference maker wherever he goes. The question is, is where is that? My, my thing with Buffalo and, and with any other team that's not for sure going to make the playoffs is that first-round pick is a non-starter. It has to be involved in that conversation. I don't know if you're the Sabres unless you're getting a guy you know for sure that you know is younger and fits with the core like a Meyer, that you're willing to give up that that first. Well, why can't you just top five protect it? Yeah. Why can't you lottery protect it? Just top yeah. two. Even if you just top two, because that's the thing, right? The only that They're only moving up if they win the lottery. Yeah. They're going to finish between, what, 12 and 16, more than likely. Um, and at that point, you know, I think I think the 13th pick overall for a team that still has Paterka, still has um, Jack Quinn, you know what I mean? Like, Owen Powers, a, uh, a rookie. Like, they've got so much young talent on that team that I think you can absolutely justify trading away, you know, an early teens pick to reward this team for how much they've done this year, how far they've come. Like, I mean, they started off hot and everybody was like, oh yeah, well we know what this is going to be. They're going to be out of it by, you know, by Thanksgiving. 
and they've been sticking around. They made a late push again. Like they're doing good. They're, I, I think that team absolutely has earned the right to make a real push and to be given the opportunity to bring in some reinforcements. I think Patrick Kane makes a lot of sense there. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm beca- I'm just a cow. I'm just a coward. And I I would I would opt for not trading assets for him now and just banking on you have the best shot at getting him in free agency and just getting him for free yeah, essentially next year. For sure. Um you know what the the gross thing and the sad thing is like the team I just keep looking at that's on the paper here that that makes sense and like they just feel like the team that's going to push the hardest for him and will end up getting him is Vegas. Right? Like they just love a deal like this. They love the big name to bring Cat Patrick Kane to Vegas. Like it just feels like a Vegas move to get that done. You know, you know who actually, and I'm so annoyed I didn't think about this till right now. Fucking Carolina could use him. Yeah, I like Carolina's fit for he... Jonathan Taves a lot as well because Cut Kenny is their second line center right now. Yeah, but they've also still got Jordan Stahl who's playing well. Mm-hmm. Like. I think if you're that team, you're looking for offensive upside. That defense is solid. I mean, they traded for Brent Burns specifically for offensive upside. Going out and getting Patrick Kane is the same thing. Like, if I was Carolina, that's the phone call I would be making is what can I do to bring in Patrick Kane and really give this team that has looked so close to being a legit contender every year a a real shot in the arm. And for me, I think, you know, I think Carolina would be a team that I would be very interested to see what they do because especially with patches going down. Yeah, that's rough. There's um there's a lot to be said for their ability to uh you know, inject some some top 6 talent into that roster, right? I I yeah, I think that one I like a lot. You know, if you have Svechnikov, Aho and uh, what do you call it? Uh, Kane as your top line, or even if you play Kane with Nekas, like yeah. there's a lot there. There's a lot there to really like. You know, I like I like that fit for, for both of them. Taves or Kane to Carolina would make sense. Um, Taves is definitely more of a Brindamore guy, though. For sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Just he would fit perfectly for the type of players they like there. Um, and I think for Taves personally to still slot in as a, a top six role would be nice for him to, to be able to do that. Yeah. We talked about the playoff run with these guys is there's a whole difference maker there beyond their on ice performance. I mean, these guys were part of one of the, the best dynasties of the last decade, right? Or the last two decades where, where you get that guy into the locker room for teams that are trying to make that push beyond having, you know, regular season success and winning a couple rounds. Carolina is one of those teams right now that, could really use a guy, I think, like Taves in the locker room. And, again, he's just such a poster poster boy for what Brindamore likes in a player, right? Like, to, to mm-hmm. bring a guy like Taves in would, would make a ton of sense for them. But it would make a ton of sense for a lot of teams, too, um, that we had listed here. Washington, Boston, Colorado, Winnipeg, Toronto even. So it be interesting to see where they go. I, th- I think Taves <clears throat> gets moved first. I think the Kane one's a, a little bit tougher. Um I think there's less suitors, and the price is higher, so it just makes it a little bit more difficult, I think. Both both players have full control, too. That's the thing, over where they want to go. So if there's mm-hmm. just a place they don't want to go, like I would imagine Winnipeg is on both their lists of not wanting to go there. It, yeah. uh, it makes it a little bit tougher. Yeah, exactly. No, I, 
Yeah, 100% agree. I think there's absolutely a realm where you see them come in and help a team out, but I think there's also a world where, you know, somebody trades for them and they fizzle. Like, I, I don't think it's a lock that they have a resurgence, but I would absolutely be willing to bet on my room being able to get something out of them again or on my coach. And again, like, if I'm Carolina, I think that's the one for me because I fucking love Rob Brindamore, man. Yeah, I love that dude. So he's such a good coach. He's an insanely good coach. And if there's anybody I could trust to to have the just, – just to have the stuff, I guess. I don't know. There's a word I'm looking for and I can't think of it. But like to hold him accountable. He's got the juice. There it is. Like who has the juice to like push him, hold him accountable. It's Rob Brindamore, man. Because yeah. like you're not – gonna argue with that dude like and you know i think that would be a really interesting one but all right for these next ones just for the sake of time we should i think we should start kind of doing what you would plan for the other few and qu- yeah quick quick right. minute or so on each of these guys we don't have to go through everybody on this list but um all right, here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna set a timer or a stopwatch all right. and we're gonna do a minute and a half on each one all right let's do it ready go okay ryan o'reilly Similar to, I think, to Taves. Um, same teams reportedly linked Toronto, Carolina, Rangers. Seattle, an interesting one on this one. Um, last year of his contract, not really working out in St. Louis. They've already moved Tarasenko. I think he goes. And I, re- yeah, I really I like Seattle as a fit for him. I think that's just cool. Seattle would be a good one. I think for me, as much as I hate to say it, I would really like him to go to Toronto. There's, I don't know how they make it happen. Last time but he was man. up this way, he drove his car into a Tim Hortons. Well, yeah, there is that part of it. <laughs> Maybe you just don't let him drive. Um, yeah, he would be a good fit, though, I, for sure. He would be a perfect fit for them, I think. You know, there's a lot of talk around them about, like, goals and how they need goal scoring. But you know what? If you don't let the other team score, you don't need quite as many. So, you know, that's that's for me. I, I think Ryan O'Reilly is going to get moved. I think wherever he goes, he's going to have an impact. And I think if he goes to the right team it could be exactly the right amount, right? I think, yeah. you know, Colorado is another interesting one, like really taking it all the way back for him. Uh, similar to how the the NBA deadline this year was a bunch of guys going home. Yeah. Uh, you know, him going back to the team that drafted him, I think would be cool. Yeah, they could use it too. Uh, big hole since Kadri left in their cup run. Haven't really been able to put it all together this year. Now they've had, they haven't had Landis Cog all year. And McKinnon, uh, McCarr, and Rantanen have been at, at at different times. Sure, I guess Rantanen's really been the only superstar Time's who's up. been healthy for him. So, um, all right, Vladislav Gavrikov from the uh, Blue Jackets. I guess the big name after Chikrin on the blue line um, of, of guys who could get moved. I think Klingberg's up there too, but it. This year's Dennis Savard, yeah. and he's just a, a a middle pair right shot. He's getting a lot more value in the trade talks because there isn't like it's really not anybody outside mm-hmm. of Chikrin on the defense that's available um and he's just one of those guys that like every old school gm he's a good player like don't get me wrong but everybody loves right. his big physical guy uh two-way defenseman so a lot of teams linked i think all the teams that miss out on Chikrin are going to be immediately calling the blue jackets trying to get this done yeah, I mean, I, if I was a team, I would be calling about him instead of Edmondson. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a guy I think that that you would kind of hope is similar to how. I mean, to me, he's this year's Ben Sherratt or last year or the year before that's Dennis uh, David Savard. 
He's just Dennis Savard, idiot. David Savard. But, you know, he's just a guy who's going to play a very specific thing. There's a consistency and a projectability to the way that he plays. And he's on a team that absolutely needs to move him because it's not working. This is one of those guys who definitely shouldn't get a first-round pick that somebody will pay a first-round pick for. I'm looking at you, Edmonton, because Edmonton misses out on Chikrin and Eric Carlson. I 100% can see the Oilers getting over a first-round pick for this guy. It would sure be nice if they had somebody on their defense who could play defense. So. All right, minute 28. Stop. Next one. All right, Tyler Bertuzzi for the Detroit Red Wings. Um, contract talks have stalled uh, reportedly as of uh, last week with the Red Wings and Bertuzzi, and if they don't pick up, the expectation is he'll be moved by the deadline. He's in the final year of his contract, can come be, become an unrestricted free agent. Teams linked Dallas, Toronto, Calgary, Minnesota, L.A., Seattle, Tampa, Edmonton. For me, he's just one of those guys that I think every team would like to add, right? Like a nice middle six guy, can kind of do everything, plays with an edge. I think there'll be a lot of, uh, he'll shoot up this list. I think there'll be a lot of teams interested in him, and that could inflate the value a lot if he does indeed become available. Um, there's, you know, Toronto would be a good fit. Uh, I like his fit uh, in Minnesota if they end up having to move Greenway uh, to bring in Bertuzzi as a replacement there. I think that'd be really good. Um, and Seattle again. I, I just, he does kind of fit what Seattle has going for them right now. A lot of just versatile wingers. So I could see him doing well there too. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, no, I think, you know, uh, he's a guy who would fit in really well in Seattle in a number of different ways. Um, he could really be a shot in the arm for them. Uh, but like you said, he's a guy that GMs just love. He's going to play, he has enough skill and enough aggression that you can pretty much play him anywhere. And at the end of the day, those guys have a ton of value. And, you know, he's shown that he can be a good player. He's shown he can play with play with good players. Like, I think he spent more than a few seasons with Dylan Larkin being really uh, effective. They Somebody should be willing to give up a pretty good amount, either a high-end prospect or a first-round pick or something like that. Um, you know, I think if you're Boston, he's an interesting one. But at the same time... You know, I don't necessarily know if uh, per se, as it were, like that that you want to mess with it because there is some talk about him kind of being an asshole. But yeah, oh, we're at a minute and fifty. We want, we want. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, there's oh, some reset. stuff with him. Um, Brock Besser with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, the next name that could potentially move after Bo Horvat. A lot of players linked out of Vancouver at this point, which makes sense. We've heard this kind of all year. Some teams linked with them, Minnesota, New Jersey, Montreal, Philly, the Islanders, and Washington. For me, I feel like, again, similar to the Gavrikov-Chikrin thing, I think a lot of teams who miss out on Timo Meyer and who've missed out on Tarasenko 
Um, I, they could be, you know, next on the list or very high on the list for Brock Besser after that. I think if the uh, uh, the Devils don't get a Timo Meyer, I think they'll push real hard for for someone like Brock Besser as a, as a next option, uh, needing a goal scorer, a guy who can you know get you twenty five to thirty. Uh, I think uh, I think if New Jersey doesn't get uh, Meyer, I really like the fit for Brock Besser there. Yeah, I like Brock Besser. Um, I think, honestly, though, for me, at the end of the day, I don't think he gets moved. I think he's a guy that gets moved at the trade deadline. He's got two years left. He makes $6 million a year. It's just a little long. It's just a little expensive. Yeah. I think at the draft makes a lot more sense uh, when teams are going to be able to add a guy like that. Uh, we've heard his name with Carolina, especially with the Patches injury. Uh, we've heard Toronto. We've heard New Jersey. I definitely think he's in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as he's going to be guys that get called about um, once Meyer moves or once teams move off of Meyer, but beyond that, I, I, I think it's more likely he gets traded. Yeah, one of the one of the rare ones that we're going to talk about here that he doesn't have to get moved, so it will right. be they teams are going to have to wow the Canucks with an offer for him to get moved. Um, one forty. Funny one on this list, uh, James Van Riemsdyk, a guy we talked about in the off season, is uh, that would you'd have to pay to get rid of him. Now it kind of looks like. Um, they might actually be able to get something for him because the Flyers would be the ones retaining some of the salary on, on right. the deal, which is just really funny to see this go um, the other way here. But uh, the fourth period, uh, speculating it may take a third team to jump in and eat some salary too to help the deal completely get facilitated. Uh, sim- similar teams linked here, Calgary, Dallas, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Vegas. I see him as being an option, but later on in the day as like, because of everything that's going to have to, to get done, if a third team has to get involved, the amount of money he makes, um, there's just going to be other more enticing options, I think, that you go out or easier options to get done. But if somebody gets desperate, you know, make make a phone call to Arizona or Anaheim. Will you eat, you know, 50% of uh, of his salary and, or after it's already 25% retained or whatever just to make this deal go through and you get a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick for it? I, I think that's ultimately how he gets moved. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, I think he makes a lot of sense as just kind of a lower end uh, top six rental. Um, you know, I, if if for me, I think the place that makes the most sense for him is somewhere like Calgary, um, where he's going to be able to step in, play a type of game that Daryl Sutter likes, and they don't really have the premium assets to be in the mix for someone like Meyer necessarily. So he makes a lot more sense for them. All right, on to the first duck, John Klingberg. Um, hasn't had the season, I guess we all had hoped for, I guess, for trade value's sake. Um, been taken off power play one for the last little bit too, which is an interesting decision. There still will be teams calling on him. Um, you know, again, teams that miss out on Jacob Chikrin, teams that miss out on Gavrikov or looking for specifically a power play injection uh, on the blue line. I think there'll be a, a good handful of teams interested in John Klingberg. The only kind of catch here is he has a 10 team trade list so not a no trade list he can he can list 10 teams that he can be traded to no 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 it's the other way around is it the other way around i think it's a 10 team no trade list let me double check that but i'm almost 100 percent sure um linked with edmonton who also been linked with chikrin linked with seattle is a modified because he 10 teams he is willing to be traded to oh yeah you're absolutely right 
I thought it was the other way around. Well, that actually is a bit of a bummer. So it, it makes um, it a little bit har- <coughs> harder. It does make it a um, bit tougher. Again, he can still waive that, and if yeah. the, the Ducks get an offer for a team that's not on there, he could waive that as, as an option to go somewhere. Um, of the teams linked, I think Seattle makes the most sense. I think they, you know, I like what they have on the blue line. I like what Dunn's been able to do, but they do lack kind of that offense-only defenseman that they could use for their power play. So I could see that being a nice little add for them to try and make a push off their success this year. So I could see him really fitting there and then hopefully playing well and he'll be going for a bigger contract in the offseason, whether it's with Seattle or somewhere else. Yeah, I think, you know, for one of my mock trades, I had him going to Washington. Uh, They just don't have a lot of uh, production from their blue line. Um, And I don't know when John Carlson is going to be coming back. They're a team that could absolutely use the injection. Um, I think, you know, I'm I'm 100% sure he's going to get moved. I don't see a world in which he stays, uh, especially for him personally, because it just makes too much sense for him to move to a contender and, like you were saying, try to recoup some of that value he's lost over the course of the year. So. Yeah, I, I also did a mock trade. Uh, mine was just ridiculous, though. I felt like, well, how how dumb can I get by moving every single player that's apparently available in Anaheim out? So I had Henry Klingberg and Stolarz going to Seattle for uh, <laughs> Will Borgen, which is a nice option for the Ducks to get a right-handed shot back. Uh, Don Square and Dreiger, who are both injured, uh, and would help offset some of the cap space, and then prospects uh, David Goyat, Ty Nelson, and a first round pick this year. So something that will never happen. But if um, they all fit there, it makes sense, and I could I could see all of Stolarz, Henrik, and Klingberg being a fit. So let's uh, yeah, I had the birds with Klingberg, one Klingberg at fifty percent retained, Derek Grant in the Minnesota twenty three third round pick. Mm-hmm. For Anthony Mantha, Hendricks Lapierre, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and a 23 and 24 first. I like it. I like it. Mantha's got another year. He makes a lot of money. He's not great. I think uh, they would love to move on from that. But next, who we got next? Um, Okay, so we're getting into the, I don't want to call them the players we like don't really care to talk about but like Ivan Barbashev is next on the list and I just don't like feel like I have enough to talk about here so I'm just gonna start listing off players you tell me if you want to talk about them for this so Ivan Barbashev Luke Shen not really um yes I think Luke Shen is gonna be hilarious Luke Shen is gonna get somebody a second round pick this year and I like Luke Shen I hope uh like to me he's the guy who uh starts getting phone calls about them once Gavrikov leaves so. Yeah, it's funny. So Vancouver is apparently trying to re-sign him, and he has interest in staying. Um, but if they can get something for him and contract, tax, contract talks don't develop close enough to the deadline, they could look to re-sign him in the offseason. Stop so. Stop signing guys to contract extensions. Just fucking trade You know people. Vancouver is going to sign, is not going to trade ah. him, and is going to sign him to like a Tyler Myers type contract. That's just how it's going to go. Luke Shen, 5 by 5 um, I know you mentioned this guy specifically. Shane Gossisbury is one you wanted to talk about too. Um yeah, I like Gostas Bear. Yeah. I've always liked him since his time in Philly. He got a bit of a bum deal just with, you know, not quite fitting in. Um, he's an interesting choice, I think, for Edmonton. He can play the offside. Uh, he's an offensive guy. He can skate with the puck. Like, I, he's a guy who, you know, again, somebody's not going to get Chicker and somebody's not going to get Klingberg. Somebody's not going to get some of these other guys. And he's a guy I think that a lot of people can be very, very – uh, could be very happy to trade for. He's not going to cost as much, and you know he's a good player. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think there could be a, a fit for him somewhere there. 
<clears throat> I think Chikrin's the main goal for Arizona to get off the books right now. But again, there will be teams who get desperate. I think he's a Gosses Bear is injured right now, so it might make it a little bit more difficult for them to trade him. But he could be a cheap option that a team just tries to swing in for late at the deadline to bring something in, uh, bring a player who can help the the offensive side of their uh, their blue line. Um, so I, I could definitely see some interest there. And he doesn't make a ton. He makes four and a half, and Arizona would more than likely be willing to eat salary on oh, that yeah. too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, another one th- that interests me, is I think there could be a lot of teams on the waiting list for him, is Max Domi out of Chicago. Um, excellent mm-hmm. year. He's done really well with the Blackhawks. Uh, we gave it a lot of opportunities there. And, uh, you know, teams like the Rangers, Toronto, Dallas, New Jersey, Edmonton, Winnipeg, all the teams we've mentioned that were interested in forwards could be interested in. I mean, he's just a real versatile guy, um, plays a complete game, plays center, can play either wing. So I think Toronto would be a fun fit for him, again, obviously just because of the history his dad has with the Leafs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think they do. They need a player like that, that they can throw anywhere in the lineup. If anybody gets injured or is out of the lineup, they can play him at center if they want. They can play him on the wing. He has enough skill to play up in the lineup with, you know, Tavares or Matthews. So, I don't know. I, I like his fit there a lot. Yeah, I think that's similar to what they were trying to get out of Nick Foligno a couple years yeah. ago, um, where it gives you a guy you can play up and down the lineup. You can play with skilled players. You can play <laughs> with some physicality. So, you know, I don't like the guy particularly, but yeah. he's he's a good player, and it makes a lot of sense why guys would be in the I was just reading through the list, and I, I see under Joel Edmondson, Marge Simpson. <laughs> Yeah, big trade deadline get. Big, big trade deadline get. Um, <clears throat> Joel Edmondson is going to get traded for a first. It's absurd. It's going to yeah. happen. I can't wait to see. Montreal always seems to to get first for guys that shouldn't get first. But uh, they'll, yeah, they'll end up getting Jake McCabe is another guy who could get a first-round pick that I don't I don't know why he would and why he should ever get a first-round pick. But that's apparently what the Blackhawks are asking for him. So I could see him. Yeah, why wouldn't you? The first. Ask, for, ask for it. Do what they could do. You say no? Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Skipping everybody else on this list and heading to the next duck, Dmitry Kulikov. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to keep talking. Uh, no, Dmitry Kulikov is going to get moved. He's going to get retained. I imagine he'll be one of the guys that they retain on, unless uh, they are in one of those uh, three-way, you know, laundering a salary yeah. uh, kind of trades. I think you know him at one million. Like to me. I have a hard time thinking he's not exactly the kind of guy that Toronto would be looking for. Uh, somebody like Florida. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's fine. He's just a good depth defenseman. He's going to be in a lot of different plays. It, you know what I mean? He's going to be able to play up and down the lineup. He can play both sides of the ice. Like, he's he's a good player. I've liked him. I would be more than happy to bring him back this summer as far as re-signing him as a free agent. Um, but I think it would make a lot of sense for Anaheim to see what they can get for him, and I think they can probably get a, a, a late second or a third round pick for him. Yeah, it'll just be teams who get priced out of Edmondson and Gavrikov and McCabe. Um, exactly, they can come to Anaheim and get Dmitry Kulikov for a lot cheaper. So for me, there's no question he gets moved. He's just a really reliable, cheap option that too many teams will not want to pass up. Right, so. Um, fun, fun to see Nick Ritchie on this list. No, it's not. As a, a guy who can get moved out the door by Arizona. Uh, the quote says, Ritchie has proven he can provide some extra punch for a team looking to bolster its bottom six. That's interesting to hear. Um, yeah, the extra punch is also two minutes. Yeah, uh, Calgary, Tampa Bay, and Winnipeg reportedly linked to Nick please Ritchie. Please, Tampa, don't do it. Please, Tampa. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would be him going to Tampa and winning a cup or something. Uh, that would be interesting. Um, 
Dumba and Prover, Provorov are on this list. Dumba has, they've both been in trade rumors for the last year or so. Um, Dumba is a UFA in the summer, owns a 10-team no trade, and then Provorov has been linked out of Philadelphia really since the beginning of the year. Um, he's got a few more years left on his contract, so I think he'd be the one that would generate the most interest. The only problem is that he makes 6.75 for the next few years, where mm-hmm. Minnesota could eat $3 million of Dumba's salary, and getting Matt Dumba at $3 million as a rental is a lot more enticing than having to pay Provorov for the next four years. Yeah, I um, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the names that we skipped over here is Kevin Hayes, and I think that's, that's another guy with Ivan Provorov and uh, Brock Besser that I just think those are guys that are going to be moved at the draft. I don't see a way really that it makes sense for teams to bring in somebody that's going to command that much money, that much of the cap. Um, you know, I don't think anybody is a pro for all the way. So, yeah. um, you know, it's fine. I mean, I love Matt Dumba. I, I think, you know, to be honest, I think if I was a team out there, I would be calling them before I called in on Klingberg. Um, yeah. But with Minnesota, like, if they're able to stay in it, if they're kind of pushing for it, maybe they keep him and let him walk. You know, he's a good player for them. He's meant a lot to them over the years. So I, I think, you know, it's probably more likely that they let him walk in free agency uh, than feel that they have to trade him this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they're in, such, they're in one of those weird spots as teams that have – uh, a rental that could get catch some some significant return asset wise, but they're in a position where they really need to keep the player to try and stay competitive, and they, they are going to want to try and make a run. So, um, I'd put more stock in Provorov being moved over Dumba, just because the Flyers are more open to moving him. But again, that's such a, that's a hard deal in contract to move at the deadline. Yeah, you can just absolutely. it's a lot easier to get that done in the off season. Uh, when teams have a clear outlook, too, of their cap situation for next year. Provorov for Tyler Myers, one for one. Let's go. That's, that sounds like a Canucks deal, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> next duck on the list, Adam Henrique. What do you think? Uh, I have him, for me, for one of my mocks. I had Craig Smith, Thomas Nosek, and their 23 first for Adam Henrique. I think Henrique perfectly fits in with Boston. I think he's exactly the kind of guy that they could use. He can play for... Uh, he can play wing. He can play center. He's got another year. He doesn't make too, too much money. And I think as great as they've looked this year, I think you're pretty much sure that Bergeron and Krejci aren't coming back again. And I don't think you mind having a guy like Adam Henrique who can play pretty much anywhere in your top nine. Yeah, I think there's going to so, be a lot of interest in him um, with also the fact that you the get Devils him for next are a fun year. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get him for next year. The, the, um and if the Ducks think, eat some salary or the ability to take on money too, yeah, exactly. I think um, I think the one the, the teams for me that I would be watching with him would be um, uh, the Islanders, just because they're in a weird spot and lose the one who drafted him. The Devils because he could go back to where was drafted, and then I think Boston makes a lot of sense just from an actual fit perspective. So yeah, yeah I like Seattle as a, as an option for him too. Um, a good spot for him to fit. You like Seattle as a fucking option for everybody, dude. They just need a lot of things. Are you from California? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you keep trying to send everybody to Seattle. It seems like uh, it seems like it'd be a good fit there. But yeah, I think there'll be a lot of teams calling about Adam Henrique. 
Um, it's just whether I, I don't. The Ducks aren't in any rush to move him, and they're only moving him if they get a, you know, exactly what they want for him. Especially with him having another year next year, there is really no need to move him now. Um, but I, I would put a bit more stock in him getting moved than some of the other guys like Besser and Provorov that we've talked about. I think there, there will be a lot of teams mm-hmm. that want to bring him in for this year and also have him for a run next year. Uh, and with the Ducks' current situation, being able to take on money or retain money, um, I think it presents an interesting option for teams that normally wouldn't be able to get a guy for cheap for two years, that they could come in and get Henrik for maybe under $4 million for this year and next would be pretty good value for them. Um, Absolutely. All right. my One of my favorite ones, a guy similar to a lot of these guys we talked about that have contracts beyond this year that – it would take a lot for him to get moved, and you, it might not happen, but it's Eric Carlson. Are you sure, Eddie? Because I heard from somebody that Eric Carlson was an expiring contract. I thought he was a, a pending UFA. <laughs> so that's why I was sitting here when I was looking at these, and, and some of the notes on him were like, oh, yeah, it's going to be tough to make this deal work, and da, da, da. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know he makes 11 and a half, but his contract expires this year. And then I go and I look, and no, he's got like four more years left after this one at 11 and a half. Um Ultimately, I, I, I don't think it gets done. The one team and the it, that's been reported has picked up talks with him for the second time this year is the Oilers. It does feel like a real Ken Holland Oilers type deal to try and get this done. Mm-hmm. So this was one of my more fun mock drafts because it, it does have to involve Eric Carlson getting traded somewhere and then another team eating salary before he goes there for this to make work. So it's a three-way trade between the Sharks, uh, the Coyotes, and the Oilers, and Eric Carlson stopping in Arizona on his way to Edmonton to eat some salary. So the Sharks trade Carlson, 25% retained, to Arizona, who then retains a further 50% of Eric Carlson's salary, and then he goes to Edmonton at 37.5% of his original $11.5 million. So then the Oilers are getting Eric Carlson, at four point three two million, essentially for the next four years, which is real good value for them. Oh yeah, it does cost them obviously for for doing that. The Sharks end up getting Philip Broberg, Tyson Berry, where there's some more salary relief there, and the Sharks get another flippable asset, whether it's this year or next. The Oilers twenty twenty three first and twenty twenty three second. So that's what the Sharks get: Broberg, Berry, and the first and second from the Oilers for this year. That the Coyotes, because they're retaining 50% for the next five years, they're not getting nothing for doing that. They get a second from the Sharks this year. So the Sharks essentially swap their second for the Oilers' second. And they get a second from 2024 from the Oilers for their good work. And Jesse Pugliarvi goes to the Coyotes as well. So decent haul for the Coyotes, which it should be. They're, they'd be having $4.3 million, almost just as much as the Oilers are paying them on their books for a player that they don't have for the next few years. Of all teams, I debated Anaheim for this as well, but it just made more sense for the current cap situation and timeline for the Coyotes to be able to try and pull this off and have $4.3 million, mm-hmm. million blocked off for the next few years. So the Coyotes get two seconds, one this year, one next, and Pugliarvi for pulling that off. The Oilers get Eric Carlson at that 4.3, and they also get Nick Bukestad from uh, the Coyotes as well, and he only makes 900000 So all of this does check out. It all fits under the salary cap. The Oilers are, have enough money to make this work, and then it, it does work for the Coyotes and the Sharks. A lot of moving parts to get this pulled off, and I don't think it's a deal that really gets done almost anywhere else. Uh, but if it gets done, I think it's something like this. It has to be a three-team trade. There's no team yes. that's going to be able to take even Carlson at 50% retained, really, for the next few years. 
Um, I think, I even think it could cost you others more than this because yeah. of, I, I debated putting their 2024 first in there as well and having that being sent to the Coyotes because that's a lot to ask from a cap, a team that has to eat salary to eat $4 million, $4.3 million for the next few years. But this is just a fun one to put together. It's a really out there one. I don't know if it will happen. Um, but I'd love to. I'd love to see it get done. I love Eric Carlson the year he's had, and for him to get a playoff run. As much as I hate it being with the Oilers, um, right? It it is it is something the Oilers could use in a player like Eric Carlson. They really don't have anything like that on their back end. It's a major upgrade on Tyson Berry. Yeah, no, I, you know, I mean, the only other place I could like the best case scenario for me of where it would be fun to see him go is Tampa Bay, but they just can't make it happen. They just don't, you know, they just don't have the ability to make that work. So, um, Edmonton makes the most sense. Uh, we were talking about it a little before we started recording that this is a very like Ken Hollandy move. Yep. Um, you know, and yeah, no, I like it. I like the idea of it. Um, again, like, the cost of it is so absurd that everybody would have to really be willing to like fully commit. But, you know, Eric Carlson would provide an incredible dynamic, uh, to, uh, that Edmonton team and and would really just further create space for Connor McDavid. Yeah. And and the Oilers are just getting to that point in their run where it's just ridiculous at this point. Like Connor McDavid can't do anything more than what he's doing. He's on pace for 65 goals and 146 points, which is like the most points in the league since like the eighties. Um, it's just unbelievably significantly better than anybody else. At some point you have to make a deal like this and just go for it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not, it's a lot, but it's not a lot for the Oilers. They're really, they're giving up a player in Pooley Harvey who they're trying to kind of shop anyway. He almost apparently hit waivers this last Mm -hmm. week, a first this year and a second this year and next year. That's what you're going to give up in deadline moves. Anyway, the tough loss for them maybe is Philip Broberg, but it's the cost of doing business to get a player like Eric Carlson and then Tyson Berry, you know, getting him out the door saves them some money for one. Um, and it, it, you have to, when you're bringing in Eric Carlson, you're going to have Carlson and Bouchard on, on the right with uh, Darnell nurse on the left. So you kind of need to move Tyson Berry at the, out the door at that point. So, mm-hmm. you know, and getting Nick Bustad is, is a nice little ad for them for their bottom six. I like him as a player. So I, I think it fits for everybody when you're thinking San Jose, for the player and retaining 25% is getting Broberg a first, a second, and Tyson Berry, who's a flippable asset. For the Coyotes, you're getting two seconds in Pooley Arby just for, for retaining money, and the Oilers are getting the mm-hmm. players out of the deal. And having Eric Carlson, even if he does fade off after this year at 4.3, that's that's an easy value right there. So Yeah, and, and you have the system or the – you have enough players to kind of insulate him. Like if you have a Darnell Nurse, uh, Eric Carlson pair, I think you're fine with that. That takes a lot of pressure off of Darnell Nurse to be an elite puck mover. And, you know, we know Darnell Nurse likes to be physical in front of his own net, which is something obviously you're not going to ask Eric Carlson to do. So, you know, the the potential to just kind of have more, you know – Really, more than anything, adding Eric Carlson to Edmonton it allows you to not have Drysidel and McDavid on the ice and still have an elite offensive creator. Yeah, yeah. They so. always need to do something, and, and this just feels like a, a Ken Holland move they could make. Um, Pugliarvi <laughs> kind of covered a little bit in that one. We've talked about Pugliarvi a lot in the past. 
I guess let's finish off or get close to finishing off here with the goalies that I have here. Demko, Vejmelka, and then Gibson and Stolars are in there as well. Um, Demko and Vejmelka are fairly similar, and the teams aren't really in any desperate rush to move them. But there mm-hmm. is like a willingness to listen, and if they get an offer, they're not opposed to it. Um, I think Arizona just re-signed Vizmalka, so they're and he's played pretty well. They're fine keeping around mm-hmm. if they have to, but they realize the situation that they're in, and that if they can get something to help them in the future for this guy, they're going to take it. And I feel like Vancouver's leaning in the same direction. Same why they're listening on Besser, and why they're listening on a lot of their other guys, not named Quinn Hughes or Elias Pedersen, is that they are leaning towards a bit more of a rebuild. And um, if they get a, a great offer for Thatcher Demko, they're willing to move him. And I think, I guess you could say Anaheim's in a similar boat to that as well. They recognize their situation. They are not. They know they don't have to move John Gibson. But if they got a, an offer they couldn't pass up, they'd move him as well. So very similar situation, I think, for all three teams. Yeah, I mean, one of the dumb trades that I had was... Uh... Demko for Cal Peterson and Alexander Turcott because that Cal Peterson contract is bad. Yeah. Um, and Vancouver doesn't necessarily need more, but they definitely need more high-end center prospects. So Alex Turcott gives them the opportunity to kind of uh, buy low on that guy. Thatcher um, Demko is a good goalie, man. Seeing him come to L.A. would be really cool um, because he's from San Diego. Um, it would be it would be really interesting. I, I think Vizmelka, I... I think if Detroit were closer to the playoffs, I would think he could go there. Um, but as it stands right now, I, I think that's likely someone who, again, gets moved at the uh, at the draft. And Demko, you know, I, I mean, if you're Vancouver, I guess you're moving anybody, but or almost anybody. But I, I like Demko. I'd like to keep him if I was Vancouver. I just think he's a good goaltender. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I, I don't say, know why he's out on the market. If I was I, if I was Vancouver, I would include him in the guys that you don't trade at this point because it's not like they have anything in the pipeline coming up behind him. Um, well, they did have that one kid, Michael DiPietro. And what happened to, oh, no, the whole thing's on fire. Yeah, that, that poor that, kid, that man. Didn't pan out. They, they fed him to the Wolves that one time calling him up on an emergency basis from junior and throwing him to a game where he got shelled for, I think, like seven. So, Just a, oh, a bit. <clears throat> yeah, that was... Uh, that was brutal. I don't see any of them getting moved at the deadline. If I had to say somebody is the most likely, I think there would be a lot of interest either from Pittsburgh or from L.A. in Thatcher Demko if he was available. Um, as And I think L.A. being the most likely of landing spots, they're looking to get a little bit younger in net. And if you could send Cal Peterson the other way and a, mm-hmm. and a prospect to get it done, then uh, I think it's something they would definitely pursue because it, it helps them this year and it makes them – better in this kind of long run here especially if they're adding chicken and it fits into that window that they're of three or four years absolutely so um the last guy i want to touch base on hasn't really been rumored to go anywhere but he's like the only pending ufa who like doesn't have positive contracts talks going that could be available you know we, we could talk pasternak but it seems like it's a 99.9 percent chance he stays in boston they're just working yes. out the final details of that contract so the other one for me that's interesting is Dylan Larkin uh, in Detroit. A hometown kid, for all things considered, he wants to stay there, and Detroit wants him to stay there. But he's dealing with Eisman, and Eisman plays hardball with all 
contract talks and and now with Horvat signing for eight and a half and a lot of these centers that are in the similar range to Dylan Larkin signing for big money it seems like and from the things that are coming out now there's not a lot coming out of Detroit because I assume kind of keeps it locked up there but there seems to be some distance between what Dylan Larkin thinks he's worth and what Iserman is willing to pay for him um how long do they let this go on and does Eiserman risk this going into the summer and there being no positive talks and the contract not being signed and this guy walking for absolutely nothing? I think it depends on if he gets calls on him and what those offers are. So let me be the one to say this this time instead of you. <laughs> uh, I would love to see Dylan Larkin in Seattle. I think a Dylan Larkin-Shane Wright trade makes a ton of sense for both teams. They still have Matty Beniers, who's really young. Yoni Gords, I think, only got two more years left on his deal. Uh, they can absolutely afford to give Dylan Larkin the eight, eight and a half million he's looking for. Uh, and I, I think he would fit great there. I think he would be huge there. Um, that's a trade that I personally would love to see made. Um, but beyond that, like, I love Dylan Larkin, so I'd be fine seeing Dylan Larkin go anywhere but, like, the Kings um, and the Oilers. So I, I don't know. I I think it'll get done. But if somebody calls and makes a real offer and is willing to give Dylan Larkin a contract extension, then, you know, I, I know that's like a lot of what ifs. But, like, I don't think it's absurd to think that somebody could make that happen, especially with what we just saw with Bo Horvat. And I think Dylan Larkin's better than Bo Horvat. Yeah, yeah I do too. And, and I just – I think Eisman is one of those guys he won't budge. Um, and I don't know how willing he is to give Dylan Larkin eight and a half, nine million dollars for eight, eight or nine years, right? Like, that's right. that's the question that you get to. I think they want to keep him. I, I think inevitably, if he had a choice and he could go stay anywhere, I think he would want to stay in Detroit. Like you said, like he's from that area. He played his college hockey for Michigan. This guy wants to stay and be like the leader and the face of the Detroit Red Wings. But it's going to come down to that impasse between him and Eiserman and what they both feel the player is worth and whether they can settle on that. And just makes it an interesting situation because I think all things considered, it, every all signs point to him that he should stay and that they should pay him what he's worth and, and that he would stick around there. But um, you get to a point where you're stuck between a rock and a hard place and nobody wants to move. That you know, A team comes in with a great offer and all of a sudden he's playing somewhere else. So I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting one to follow that of any of the guys you mentioned, this would be like the one trade that could come out and surprise a lot of people and not expecting it to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, uh, like I said, like I think there are reasons to be surprised by some of the other names that could be moved just in far of, uh, as far as like the feasibility of the mechanics of making those trades, Carlson, things like that. This would be the one where it's like, it's kind of wild that this player moved because it felt like they were going to be where they were forever. Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, it's an interesting one, but I would very much like to see him stay in Detroit. Yeah, as everybody knows, I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan, so yeah, I would, I would love. To he's see just him one of there. those guys. As much as I don't like the Red Wings, like you, he just he feels like a lifer, right? Like a guy who should be with mm-hmm. Detroit. Like every you know, again, being from there, playing his junior hockey there, and with in, in college, like he just feels like a guy that should be 
with the Red Wings. He just like looks like a you know a prototypical Red Wings player too, like a guy who's. We got to get him to shave that stupid goatee. <laughs> it's so stupid. He looks like such an idiot. Yeah. But other than that, I love him, man. I I really do. I think he's matured mm-hmm. phenomenally well. His game is rounded out. He's still got speed. He's still got hands. Like, you know, he might not necessarily be the elite point producer they were kind of hoping he was going to be, but. You know, he's he's a real captain. Like, I really, really like him. Like, you know, I remember watching a game last year, I think it was, versus Tampa Bay. And, like, somebody took a run at somebody, and uh, they went kind of – one of the guys on his team went head first, and he just went over right away and started fighting him. And, you know, uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, look, dude, this is the best player on this team, and he is absolutely committed to this team. And I, I think guys like that. I think guys like that deserve to be rewarded, and I would like to see guys like that rewarded. Um, but like you said, I, I don't think Steve Eiserman is going to be all that uh, interested in, in in giving too much up. Yeah, so we can't we can't escape it uh, before we move on and start wrapping up the show here. Obviously, connection is always going to be there between Anaheim and Detroit because of her beak and, and Eiserman. What would you be willing to give up to bring Dylan Larkin to Anaheim? Or would you even make that deal? So he's going to be 27 in July. Nope. Wouldn't do it. I feel like the, the cost would just be too high. It wouldn't make sense. Because um, yeah. you're looking at probably somebody like McTavish at that point, essentially, right? Right. Absolutely. And if you're Anaheim, you're not doing it in, unless it's a sign-in trade. So you're paying full value for Dylan Larkin. You're not bringing him in as a rental at that point. You're bringing yeah, him no, signed no. to an extension. And yeah, it just it doesn't make sense for Anaheim on any stretch. Um, you know, maybe it was a thing that you could have tried to maybe call about towards the last couple of years of Getze. Um, You know, maybe use what would what became the Zegris pick or something like that. You can talk yourself into, but at this point, he just doesn't line up. So no. Yeah, it it doesn't. If he was a couple of years younger, maybe. But even then, like that, where the ducks are right now and the price it would cost to get him, it just it doesn't make sense. But you just know those yeah. those those lines are going to be drawn always between Verbeek and anybody available in Detroit. It's it's always going to be something that comes up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how these uh, coaching trees and management trees work, right? I mean, we saw the same thing with Tampa Bay and how you know the conversations between Tampa and Detroit. And all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm really excited to see where it goes. Um, as far as like how many different little rumors we hear around Anaheim and Detroit over the years, but you know, I um, I, I just don't think he makes much sense for Anaheim, unfortunately. No. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's show. Um, Ducks are down one nothing right now at the end of the first to Vegas. Uh, Sounds about right. So we'll recap that game. Um, next week as well. Uh, but we have two games. I was going to say, we, I guess we can give our predictions for the remainder of this game. Um, we have Wednesday uh, against Buffalo at home and then Friday against LA at home. So, what are your predictions uh, as of right now? Ducks down 1 nothing in the first to Vegas for this game and then for the other two this week. I'll say they lose 3 uh, 1. I'll say it goes 1 0, 2 0, 2 1, empty netter. Uh, I think they lose to Buffalo, and I think they lose to LA. So I think I have them going over uh, over this next like week. All regulation loss, or like, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I, it's gonna be tough. Uh, Buffalo just got Tate Thompson back, uh, so they're gonna get rolling. That's gonna be a tough matchup for for Anaheim. I think if they pick, I think they lose today, 
in Vegas. I think they lose against Buffalo. I, I think the Kings games are always a toss-up. I mean, who knows? I mean, Jacob Chikrin and Demko and everybody might be a king by that point <laughs> come uh, come Friday. But I'll, I'll give the Ducks some credit. Like, if there's a game that they, they could get up for and, and win, I'll, I'll say it's that L.A. game. I think it'll be close. I, I have them going 0-2-1, and that one going to overtime or a shootout. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess the days of Buffalo being an easy game are behind us because that's going to be a tough game for them to go into. They never even were. I always felt like Buffalo played us really tough. Yeah, I mean, they played Buffalo um, Korea's night, right? Korea's retirement night, and they just blew the doors off the Ducks. I don't know. You were the one who was at that (laughs) fucking game. (laughs) I'm trying to remember. I think so, yeah, (laughs) because I I think it was still when Eichel was there too. So they they blew the doors off the – yeah. The Ducks in that one. But yeah, I got a 0-2-1. Hopefully they, they proved us wrong a bit. Um, anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up here? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we're chilling, man. All right. Well. Uh, go Birds. Yes. Yeah, go Eagles. I don't want to. I'm not go a huge, huge football fan, but I, I don't want Kansas City to win. So be catching that for the afternoon. Uh, we'll be back <clears throat> next week, likely, um, with the show. And I, I don't know, we might we might do another, like we'll be recapping all the big trades that happened just on the general shows already. Uh, we might do another look at some of the trades again closer to the deadline. I'd imagine uh, that probably just turns into a trade deadline recap after the deadline mm-hmm. on March 3rd. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, we'll, be, we'll aim to be back next week just recapping the games this weekend, anything that happens. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Trade deadline is on March 3rd. If you want to help us keep going throughout the season, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, search Forever Mighty, leave us a rating and a review. We'll read it on the show, and we really appreciate them. You can also find us on Spotify. You can leave a rating on there as well, so make sure to do that if you haven't. All video versions of the show exist on YouTube. You can go to youtube.com slash the Forever Mighty Podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Hit the little notification bell so when you know when we release the show because we are fairly <laughs> inconsistent lately with the release time. So if you want to know when it gets posted there on YouTube, just hit the notification um, and you'll get and it. And always feel free to leave comments, especially yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, um, we read them all. We yeah. go through them. Uh, we try to, you know, reply when possible. So, yeah. Uh, been seeing that know. more lately. So, yeah. Um, feel free to leave a comment we'll we'll go through it if uh, we'll answer them on the show or we'll answer them in the actual comments themselves so it's always nice to see you guys engaging on there um check out our website at forevermighty.com find everything in one place so you can find out all the places to watch and listen to the show how to support the show and where to find us on social media our podcast twitter is at forevermightyfm mine is at eddie van jones and stevens is at the hockey boomer uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for coming out. Hope you enjoyed um, the All-Star weekend and the All-Star festivities and looking forward to the trade deadline here. We'll be back in the next week or so with the show. And uh, everybody have a great rest of your weekend and enjoy the Super Bowl. Bye, everybody. Go Birds.